Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Talking Toffees with Andy and I. We're also joined by Paul Daly once again as we review our opening day victory over Southampton. Look ahead to Leeds United away and we discuss our hopes and expectations for the season as well as having a look at the last couple of weeks of the transfer window to see what we may or may not do. So lads, there's a lot to get through tonight. If we make a start with the transfer window to date, recording on the 18th of August, so there's a couple of weeks to go, yeah. Um, just skim through some of the outgoings first. We saw more high-profile Bernard, Josh King, Yannick Balassi, Theo Walpart, Bessich or leave. Um, we've got Lewis Gibson, who's been sent out on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. Benny Benigni has eventually left the club now, gone to Hearts. you got Matty Pennington and Callum Conley, who have departed. We've got Robin Olsen, who's loan wasn't renewed. Um, we've allowed him to go back and obviously we've brought in Begovic since. There's a bit of a list there, lads. To start with you, Paul, out of the players that have gone, uh, is there anyone on that list that you would like to sort of stay at the club? Um, you know, in particular, players like Bernard, Josh King, or are you content with the departures there? I won't lose any sleep about losing any of the players that have left the club this summer, to be honest. Um, I would say Yannick Palassi's departure is a long time coming. The same goes for the likes of Matthew Pennington. Uh, Benny Beningamy was a player a few years ago who expressed a lot of potential, and I thought he would be one of the players from that academy to stake claim the first team long term. Unfortunately, it's not panned out, but he seems to be doing well at heart lately. Um, I'd say the only the only one I'm slightly disappointed about was Josh King, really. And that's more due to the lack of opportunities he got under Carlo Ancelotti last season. But again, it's not one I'm gonna lose sleep over. Um I think that it's, it was necessary, particularly Bernard. He came into Everton on a free transfer, picking up quite a significant wage. So it's essential, really, for us to move that move him on and get something of a fee while getting rid of his wage as well. So hopefully, I mean, in all honesty, I don't know what you think. I think the job's half done. I still think there's some significant first-team players that need to go on the team to loosen up the wage bill. And then hopefully, I, go, I know we're going to touch on it tonight, but hopefully a few more departures, players that don't necessarily fit in to Everton's plans at the moment, then hopefully they can be moved on and we can be a bit more active in the window towards deadline day. Yeah, I mean, for you on the on the list, um, the one for me that I was disappointed with was Josh King. Uh, as you said, Paul, I just don't think he got a chance. I'm not saying he was the be-all and end-all, but I think he was a better player than what we saw. Um, obviously, Ancelotti would have saw more of him in training. There was a reason he wasn't getting the look-in, but it was just disappointing. I think there is a, still a lack of firepower at the club, and we'll probably touch on Moise Keane a little later. If he had to leave, then in terms of forward options, the minimal. Um, so that's one in particular I was disappointed with. Um, Bernard's gone, and that makes sense for me in terms of um, the wage bill, but not convinced the players coming in and actually step above them in terms of quality. 
Um, but you know, we'll come on to that in a moment. For you, then, Andy, um, out of that list, is there anyone there that you're disappointed to see go, or are you like Paul? Are you content with the departures to date? Yeah, I think it's a start uh, of getting rid of a bit of Deadwood that's been hanging around for a couple of seasons, as Paul rightly said. Um, you know, I, I also share, you know, same concerns in a way with about um, Josh King. I don't think he got a fair crack of the whip at it, but at the same time, I'm fairness to him. I think he he wants to play football, and he he knows that wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been the first choice uh, at Everton. And I think he was hoping to get more game time last season in order to cement a place this season. So fair play to the lad for wanting to play football and and uh, being a stand eleven. Uh, Bernard, yeah, earning a lot of money. Had to be moved on right time. I do think that he had something about him and something that he could unlock a game, um, but not not enough about him to to be justifying the ways he was on. Um, and yeah, the same what Paul was saying before about Beningham. Me when I first seen him come through, I was really excited about him. Thought a few loan spells. I thought he would have come back to the club and and really pushed on, but didn't seem to happen for him. But best of luck to him as well. Yeah. And there's two players that haven't gone that I think you and I, Andy, we expected to not be starting the season with them in the squad. They're saying the squad, they're being told to train elsewhere, so it's not a good situation. If you start with James Rodriguez, um, what a difference 12 months makes when we signed him. I was waxing lyrical about him, and the opinion on him in terms of his ability hasn't changed, but in terms of his suitability for Everton, I'm, you know, I'm, it's getting to the point where I'm looking forward to seeing the back of him. Um, I think he's played the blinder up to now in the media, whereby our fans have felt for the narrative that Rafa Benitez is forcing about the club. In reality, I very much doubt that's the case, given this is an individual that couldn't even stay in the country until the end of the season. I think, for me, it was clear that he signed because of Carlo Ancelotti, and that's fair enough. And with Ancelotti now away from the club, I don't think Hammers has got the hunger that, as Evertonians, we want to see. It's great having his quality, but how much hunger does he have? Call me cynical, but I'm not convinced he's isolating at all. Um, I think it's very convenient, and I expect Moise Keane will be isolating again. Um, the, I suppose the issue is, is, you know, we're not far away from the end of the window, and what club's going to pay the wage for him in the sense that you can't play every week. You can't play week in, week out. So he is. there are only certain clubs who can afford him. I'm not sure where he will end up. I, I don't think he'll be at Everton at the end of the window. Um, for you, Andy, is he someone that you want to see, you know, his career resurrected at Everton because of his quality? Because obviously, well, in my opinion, he's a world-class player. But are you of the mindset now that the quicker we move him on, the quicker we might be able to... Not replace him. I don't think we're in a position to bring anyone in as good as him, but maybe add to the squad with players that can contribute more over the season. I think given the circumstances surrounding the finances at the club and the amount of wages that we're paying out and have paid out, um, I think it, it, it adds to the sort of reason for me wanting him to move on. Um you know, as you said there, he's a world-class player and, and he's certainly someone who can change a game um, on his own. But his attitude isn't isn't the right fit for Everton at the moment. Uh, all the stuff that's coming out on Twitch, it's coming out every few days about him. Um, as you said, he's playing right 
play playing the media the right way. And yeah, I've got no time for that. Um, and I think him leaving might open the door for two more players to come in, possibly squad players with nowhere near his standard, but two players that are going to help us, you know, cement what we're trying to do over the next year or two and push on as a club. I'd love him to, you know, to turn it around at Everton and think that that would be that'd be brilliant. I'd love to see him on the pitch at Goodison, but the, the way it is at the moment, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of his attitude. I want players on the pitch who are going to be given 120% for Everton. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's sad, but, you know, he's not the first and he won't be the last first player at the, that we saw at the club. I think he had the potential to be a real icon, but, you know, it's not to be. And whilst I, I do appreciate, you know, we sad because of Ancelotti, we're not and chill off the FC whenever. And then if he does want to be a part of that, then, you know, we don't need to move on. For you, Paul, is that how you see it? Or do you have any sympathy with the position Hammers has been put in? Um, well, I think any sympathy I do have for Hammers, really, I, I, I do have some sympathy because it's not just the Everton fans. You Ancelotti sold down the river, it was him and Alan as well. Um and I'd, I'd arguably say Luca Dean maybe signing a new contract. Maybe when he when he signed it under Ancelotti, I think maybe he was given assurances that we'd be doing this and doing that under Ancelotti, and then all of a sudden he upsticks and fucks off back to Madrid. So I do have some sympathies for him there. Um, look, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about Twitch because that's been well documented on Twitter. You've covered it already. Um, I'm going to look at it from a purely footballing perspective. I completely agree with what you're both saying about his attitude off the pitch and if he's not committed, he should go. And that, that goes for any player. Um, you know, I've, I've said that all throughout. But I think purely from a footballing point of view, the simple fact is, um, I think Rafa Benitez, the way he's... I can't believe I'm saying this now, but Rafa Benitez, the way he sets his Everton up, I don't think the... James Rodriguez works in that system. Now, I know how brilliant he is on the ball. Technically, he is, the, without a shadow, without the best footballer at the club. And, yeah, it will be very rubbish to see him go, considering non <laughs> he came our season and not one of us have seen him live at Goodison. So it is a massive disappointment. But when I look, uh, the way Rafa, Rafa Benitez has set the team up in pre-season and at the Southampton game on Saturday, I just I don't see where he fits in the current system. I, I, I think the manager at the moment is going to rely on two wingers. He's going to rely on Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up front. Then that leaves you your two centre-mids in the middle. Now, there's no doubt Thomas Rodriguez can play centre-mid, but whether he I don't think he can. That, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he can do it in this current Everton team, in this setup. I don't. I, 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 don't, I don't mean to interrupt it and stop your flow, but I, I don't think it's not just Everton. I don't think Hammers can play. I don't think he can play centre mid in the Premier League. I don't think he's. I think physically he'd be bullied. I think he's a, he's a proper number 10 behind a striker, but I, I do agree with you. I think. Because of how Benitez wants to set up, he doesn't seem to have a player running in behind the forwards. I think it is a, a basic 4-4-2. He's too slow to be a winger. 
and he's not physical enough to be a central midfielder. I mean, Alan and Decore are better central midfielders than Hamas. So I think you're right. I think, you know, from my point of view anyway, I, I think, you know, I, I disagree. I, I just think central midfield in, in, in this league, maybe in La Liga or something. Um, I was getting there, Lamb. Come on, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I was getting there. Um, I think, like you say, uh, La Liga, Serie A, I don't know, obviously Milan, are rumoured to be interested in them. I think he can do a job in centre-mid in any of those leagues, but in the Premier League, as I was going to say, the physicality of the league, I think it, it will be too much for them. The same reason, um, the same reason Bernard's left as well, I'd say. Um, right, again, Another player technically brilliant, great with the ball on his feet. Could be very hit and miss, but I think where we brought, where we sold him, we brought Damari Gray in. Now I know, again, he had, he was very um, up and down with Leicester. So yeah, um, Damari Gray, he was very hit and miss with Leicester and I know he had a brief time in Germany but one thing you're getting with Gray is a player with Premier League experience so I think in that part it's actually really smart business what we've done with Bernard and, and Gray you swap on one player who is inconsistent with a player younger and again has that experience of the league and knows knows the physicality of the league very well and um, Habez will be uh, a big miss for any team but I think it's quite clear now that I'm, I'm not going to go down the route of the manager doesn't fancy him I just think it's a case of he just doesn't fit in to how the manager wants to play and he's just a victim of circumstance in that regard um, I think that if if we do make some money off him and we can get a fee I think the big part I think the big thing is getting his wage off the wage bill and I think I read a piece in the Athletic the other day uh, say for argument's sake, he's on 200 grand a week. Even selling him, getting that wage off the wage bill, that can get you a player for 20 million if you stagger the payments over four years. So I think it's something that the club have to do. And if, look, in all honesty, in an ideal world, if the window shuts and Hamas Rodriguez was here, I'd find a way to accommodate him. The same with Moyes Keane, if they both wanted to play for Everton and if the manager wanted them to be a part of the plans. But you know, at this moment in time, it doesn't look like that. No, I agree, Paul. And, you know, I think if Hammers was contributing... I want to go on to that. I agree as well. I do think Hammers is technically Everton's best player. But I think if Hammers contributed as much as Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, I think Everton would probably say, well, he justifies that wage. But I think for Everton to be paying Hammers, if it is 200 grand a week, Everton wants the 200 grand a week player to be playing every week and to be Everton's most influential player. He's not. It's Calvert Lewin and Richarlison. And mm. I think that that's why financially it probably doesn't make sense. And over time, it'll probably cause friction if Richarlison and Lewin are looking at Hammers playing when he wants to play. Because let's be honest, he, he did pick and choose his games at times and being on that wage. If we move on then, I think we're in agreement that we're probably not going to see Hammers in an Evan shirt again. Moise Keane, Andy and I spoke about him. It, earlier on in the summer, and we're both in agreement that, well, we thought it was nailed on, it would be passing Germain, but with Lionel Messi going there, they probably forgot about him. Um, but it looks... 
To me, anyway, it looks as though Everton are banking on selling him to fund him in for the right back, uh, which is a sad state of affairs because we've had years to uh, phase Seamus Coleman out and, and we're failing with that. But Moise Keane, it's someone that I wanted to work out for. I get why he wants to go to PSG because they're a bigger club at the moment. He, you know, We'd be playing with better players and he scored more goals for them. But now it's fell through. What I don't understand is why... There's, there's doesn't seem to be an appetite on either side, either with Everton or with the player, to make a go of it. We're not blessed with a lot of strikers, which makes it more bizarre. Um, I would like to see him stay, but I, I just get the feeling that, like Hamed, we won't see him in an Everton shirt again. Um, start with you, Andy. What is your position with Moise Keane? What, what's your opinion with the whole situation there? I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's a, a good young player with a bright future um, a lot to work on and I think he can do it at Everton I think the question comes down to whether he, he wants to be here as well um, That we've questioned that in the past a number of times and I'm still questioning it now um, I'm not interested in all this stuff about his Instagram and taking pictures down and, and stuff like that I'm not interested in any of that it's, it's obviously playing himself at the club and um, I'd like to think that he wants to be here and he wants to make a go of it, but I kind of, same as you, I get the feeling that he doesn't want to be, he'd rather be elsewhere. Um, and yeah, if that's the case, see you later. Do you know what? It's just come to me now, so what, one of you can put me right, but am I right in thinking Everton didn't actually announce shirt numbers? Because to me, it just seems like every summer we, we would have an announcement a few days before the first game where certain players would have numbers and I was looking to see what number Keane and Hammers will get. I know that you know might be clutching the straws, but normally when, when that happens you get an inkling in as uh, if they're in the manager's plans. I, I yeah. think Everton could be wrong and I might have missed it. I get the impression Everton have deliberately held that off um because they expect to be busy in the last couple of weeks with within and outs. Um Paul, for you, what's your take on Moise Keane? Uh, first of all, I think you are right on the shirt numbers. I was wondering that myself the other day. I don't think you have announced them. I know, um, obviously, Andros Townsend's number 14, so yeah, that would suggest Shane Tosin's days are a number. And again, we alluded to that before. He is one of the players that needs to be moved on quickly um, and get off the wage bill, because I think his signing ultimately has been a disaster. And I think... I've said this on previous podcasts with yourselves. I, I think that that deal has set Everton back quite a lot financially. We overpaid for him then. I'm still paying for it now. Uh, my position on Moise Keane, simply, I said it before with Amez, um, if they're still here at the end of the window and the manager wants to include them in the plans and they want to play for the club and their attitude's right, then there's a place for them here. I would love not more than to see Moise Keane turn up uh, and perform on a regular basis for Everton. But, uh, and as Instagram aside, I just think he's got a lot of growing up to do off the pitch, on it. Um, I think PSG was a good learning curve for him. But I just don't see how he goes back there now, not just with Messi, but You've got more of a Cardi, Mbappe still there for the time being, Neymar. There's a, there's, there's a lot of competition for places 
at PSG now, so I just I don't see. And I mean, if you look at PSG's business as well, most of the business I know they're paying loads of wages, but most of the business being free transfers. So other than Hakimi, I don't see them spending another large amount of money on a player like him. So for me, he is he. You would have thought at the start of the summer he is an he is an asset for Everton and financially selling him. We could make we could make profit on a player who ultimately hasn't done it in an Everton shirt. Whether whether we get a fee for him in the next few weeks remains to be seen. I'm doubtful at this stage, now, to be honest, and I can I don't agree with it. I'd I'd be dead against it in all honesty, but I can see him going back out on loan. Yeah, towards the end of the window, and I think maybe another striker coming in to um to keep. To keep our forwards ticking over. Um, look, he's a young lad. As I say, he's got a lot to he's got a lot to learn. He's not set the Premier League like by any means, but I'd love him to have the opportunity to do it. What I've seen in pre-season, very hit and miss. Um, and I, I, I don't like to be one of those people who cast aspersions on a player's judgment when I don't know what they're like behind the scenes. But what what I've seen in preseason really didn't impress me that much. But look, if he if he wants to play for Everton and he's still here beyond the deadline and Rafa Benitez has a place for him, then so be it. He can do a job for Everton. I just if he doesn't want to be here though, that's great. But we need to really actively look for a club to take him on because Everton have a lot of transfer business to do within the next two weeks. Do you think Everton have played it wrong this summer? Because we all know that we need to sell Moise Keane and move Hammers on as well as other players before we can spend. Do you think that's working against us? As in, if you're the buying club and you want Moise Keane, it's not in your interest to do business early, is it? Undoubtedly, but I think, in all honesty, this isn't just an Everton problem. This is a problem in football across the transfer market in general. So not now- really, though. You know, you say that, but, but, but Man City are about to bid a hundred and yeah, million for Harry Kane. Forget about Man City. Forget about the top six. We we know we we know why they're allowed to spend beyond their means. I don't agree with it. It's disgusting. Um, I think the memories of what happened before the season ended. I think that's quickly faded away now, and businesses resume. Forget them. I'm not on about them. Um. Obviously, Villa are spending the Grealish money. But I think David Moyes was talking the other day for West Ham. Um, I mean, they're, they're the team who are trying to build a squad for the Europa League this season. I, I think they're finding it really, really tricky at the moment to sign players. I think Liverpool, again, and I know they're one of the so-called Super Six, but other than the, the money they spent on Canate, they've not spent um, this summer either. They've, listening to Klopp, He's decided they have, they, tie they, tie they have a knack. Yeah. But Paul, they have a knack of painting a narrative that they don't spend money. And you say, other than that lad you just mentioned, well, other than him, that's 35 million. You know, that's a lot more than what other clubs spend. Oh, no, undoubtedly. Um, I get your point. It's a lot of money. You know, I get your point. They, they don't spend like City and PSG and that, but they do spend. Um, I just want to move it on. One last one I didn't mention there in the list. It's Sierra Small is is left Everton now. 
I've shown a bit of grief on social media. I personally don't have anything against him from the point of view. He's 16. He's probably looking, thinking, I'm a backup to Luca Dean and possibly in Conku. Whereas he could be, you know, being offered 13 football elsewhere. And it looks as though Southampton have already put a five million bid in for him. Um, we'll start with you, Amni. What's your take on that situation? I mean, he, he, from what I heard, I didn't see that much of him. And I've seen a few clips here and there. Um, he looked like a, a real talent like that was going to be coming through. You know, I'm, I'm not too happy about the, the, the situation where, he, where he's left the club at the age of 16, to be honest with you. I think if he wants a first-team football, he could have found that through a loan move or, you know, got his head down at the club. And, you know, obviously we, we've brought him through and helped him develop his game to this point. And I think lack of loyalty towards the club shone through to me. And again, he's another one of them players that, even though how, how, how much potential he had and, <clears throat> you know, what prospect he was, if he doesn't want to be at the club, see you later. Um, it's just one of them. We just want, I want, I want a, a team full of players or even a squad full, you know, right from academy level of people that want to be at the club and, and playing for that shirt and playing for that badge. That's the most important thing for me. And then, you know, hopefully the quality comes following that. Uh, but first and foremost, they've got to want to play for the club. And especially at his age, he hasn't quite learned his trade yet and wants to, you know, play football elsewhere, then so be it. And yourself, Paul, what do you make of the Thierry Small situation? I have to disagree with, with you over Small Peter, to be honest. Um, I think he's a young lad, 16. Whether it's, I mean, I mean the fact he wants to play first team football, that's great, that's fantastic. As Nooney said, learn your trade, you're 16 years old, you've played probably less than 20 minutes for the first team. I think, I don't know, again, I don't know the lad personally, so I'm not going to question his attitude, but I think he's been really badly advised. Everton at a club who aren't shy to give the younger players a go, so I'm a bit disappointed in him, to be honest, and... Look, if Southampton, if he wants to play South, if he wants to play Southampton at left back, then so be it. But I, I think I don't know whether it's a generational thing. Um, nowadays with younger players, they want the world handed to them on a plate. Um, how, how often have you heard players come to Everton and then after a few years they go, "Well, we want to leave because I want Champions League football." I'm a firm believer. If you want something in your career. Rather than wait for it to be handed to you, be the change that you want to see. Take it yourself, earn it, go out, learn your trade, go out on loan in League Two, get kicked about, come back, come back and be a man and earn the place yourself. That's, that's fair enough. Uh, you know, I get where you're coming from, but I suppose what, you know, I don't know if it will be the case, but let's say for argument's sake, Southampton say, come to us and you will be the backup left back, but you'll get Premier League experience this season. If if Southampton are offering them Premier League football or snippets of it this season, which in fairness, if we're being honest, it's unlikely would have got an Everton this season if Nkonku stays, then why should he go to a League One, League Two club and learn a trade if it presents itself on a plate in the Premier League? He might be of the, um, of the opinion I'm ready for the Premier League. I don't know personally. I haven't saw enough of him. He's highly rated. 
and I know by me and we're, we're looking at him in January. Um, I take the point towards Everton historically with youth players, but I push back on this thing of, you know, at the moment. I look at David Dumfries under 23s and I don't see the pathway, in all honesty. I've saw Everton under 23s win leagues and cups over the years, and you can count someone on the players coming through. He's sort of the hit the block. You've got Nathan Broadhead, what's he doing? He's nearly what, 24, he's now on a loan deal. You've got John Joe Kenny, who doesn't know if he's coming or going. So other than Tom Davis, I don't really think we can evidence that there's been a pathway. Um, but look, I, I do agree in the sense that 16, you know, Everton's a good club to be at, but obviously I'm being biased about that. But if he's being offered 13 football elsewhere, it could be difficult. Um, but again, was... again, no, as talented as he is, he's still 16 years old. Now there's a big, big difference between playing under 23 football and then performing in the Premier League every other week or so. And yeah. I think it's important for his development as a player that he needs that exposure to the lower leagues. He needs a proper education. And look, if he feels Southampton is the best that he can do, good luck to him. And we'll leave it there. I just I just personally feel, again, like I said before, I think he's been badly advised. Uh, before all the talk about not signing a contract with Everton, it was Man U and Arsenal. who was supposedly interested in him. Now, all of a sudden, it's Southampton. Well, in fairness, if, if you go to a club like Southampton, it might just show it's not about money and more about fancy football. Um, but look, in terms of badly advised, I would agree in the sense that he reportedly didn't return for training, and that you know, at sixteen, that's a bad, um, it's a bad look for for any kid. But anyway, he's not in Everton, so there's no points. Um, yeah, exactly. Right, let's move on to the incumbents then. There's not a lot, is there? We'll go with Begovic. Um, I personally don't think this is a sign and that's going to push Pickford and I might be being overly critical but I think last season with Olsen I think we had someone who did push Pickford and probably contributed to the upturn in performances after Christmas but I don't think we're going to get, get this with Begovic I think we'll see him in the Cups um, he's a competent keeper but I don't you know he's not mm. it's not an inspiring signing but I suppose with the finances maybe that's not you know, that's not a scenario where we could invest seriously in a goalkeeper. Um, mm. I'll start with you then, Andy. Would you prefer to show Olsen stay or are you happy that Begovic has come in? Or are you not too forced for there being a backup? I'm not too forced. I, I quite like Begovic in terms of, as you said, he's a competent goalkeeper and we know he's going to be able to do a job if he needs to go in there, whether it be in the League Cup games or if Pickford picks up an injury. So I'm quite happy with the standard for that. Um, and I think he, he's coming to the club knowing that he is the backup goalkeeper behind England's number one, you know, and Everton's number one, Pickford. Um, well, I don't think Olsen was quite sure about that. I think uh, Olsen fancy pushing him for his place. So, yeah, I think I think it's, it, it makes sense. It's a sensible signing, uh, given the situation of, of Olsen not wanting to stick around if he wasn't going to be getting 13 football. So, yeah, he's quite happy with it. Yeah. And you, Paul, happy with Begovic? Uh, he is what he is, isn't he? He's. I, I mean, I would have liked Olsen to have stuck around. I don't, I don't know where he's ended up. The last I heard, he was meant to be joining Lille, but I think that fell through. He's been linked with, um, I think I read it right, it was Sheffield United. That was the latest club to be linked with. Really? 
Yeah, it's it's only a rumor. I, I don't know if there's anything in it. Um, you can do better than that. I, I suppose with Ramsdale going out, it makes sense. But if, again, I think I think you can do better than Sheffield United. But uh, back to Begovic, I think. Yeah, you said it yourself before. He's solid cover, nothing more, nothing less. Um, play a few of the cup games. Whether he'll push Pickford to the levels that Robin Olsen did, I'm doubtful. But again, I think it's a no-brainer. Solid Premier League experience. Someone will do a job for you if, God forbid, Jordan Pickford picked up an injury. And I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Damari Gray come in for one and a half million, 25 years of age. I mean... You know, we signed for by Leverkusen on deadline day in January, so I don't really know the background as to how how and why he spent so little time in Germany. He, he played 10 games, scored one goal. At one and a half mil, it's a low risk, and probably a logical sign from the point of view that there is a lack of pace up top. Um, my only concern is whether he's good enough week in, week out, I think. Um, you know... We saw him make a debut against Southampton. I thought he'd done okay. You know, I'm not going to judge him after one game, but um, a little bit underwhelmed that, you know, we talk about sharing numbers. He comes in for one and a half mil and he's up to number 11. And it's like, well, is that a significant upgrade on the players we've let go? I'm not sure. But again, 25 and one and a half mil, unlike Bernard and Walcott, who are older, Damari Gray's got potential to, to get better. So, you know, I can see the logic behind that, especially if we are limited in what we can spend. Um, Paul, Damani Gray, happy with that signing? I think it's a clever signing. Um, one half mil, like you said, very low risk. Um, no-brainer. He's very quick on the ball. Um, and what I like about watching him in pre-season and on Saturday is particularly the second half on Saturday, how... Direct he was, um, how brilliant he was out wide. I think he caused Southampton a lot of problems. And I think that is an outlet that will benefit us a lot this season, particularly if this is the type of direct, um, fast tempo and energetic football that Rafa Benitez wants to play, uh, wants Everton to, to play. Um, I think for one and a half million, you're getting a player who's still 25, got a handful of Premier League experience, don't forget, a Premier League winner with Leicester, um, playing the Champions League. And a player, albeit very briefly, he's had an experience of, Bund- of the Bundesliga. So I think I think it's a very good signing for one and a half million. And I, I don't see that there's a lot wrong in it, to be honest. I think it's a, it's a good deal for the club. And if it doesn't work out, I'm sure one and a half million pounds, I'm sure you get more than double that. If we decide to move Mumbo for now, he's he's been he's been all right. He's been a good player, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him this season. And you, Andy, what's your thoughts on Gray? Yeah, I quite like the signing. To be honest with you, the cheap one. Um, as Paul said, he's got Premier League experience and you know, experience of of winning the league as well. Um, I I don't I don't think he is that upgrade that you mentioned before, people. You know, we've we've said things on here before and been proved wrong, and I'd love that to be the case with him as well. I think he's got a point to prove at his age now, uh, coming towards the back end of his twenties. He's going to be really wanting to push for um, a place over the next few years and, and cement it somewhere. So I think Everton could give him that that opportunity to do so. So yeah, looking yeah. forward to seeing him th- this season. Uh, I would have liked to see him better quality, but it is what it is, and we're in the situation with him. Yeah. 
No, fair enough. I think we're probably all on the same page there with Gray. Um, and they're not sounding 30s of age coming in on a free. I've got to say, I know, again, the temptation is there to say, well, he's a low-risk sign because it's free, but this one disappointed me. Um, I must be honest, no harm to Townsend. He seems a decent lad. And after the first game with Southampton, it seems clear that he'll be someone who'll give us 100%. And, you know, we do wish him well, but I say all that, you know, as an Evertonian, I expect better than Andros Townsend, honestly. Um, I get it, you know, people listening will say, well, look, he's coming on a free and he will offer more than a Wobie, cost 40 million. I think that's fair enough, but I think this signing, you know, reeks of a lack of ambition um, and maybe it is a reflection on the financial fair play. I think, you know, with Townsend and Gray, I think if they came in alongside all the top row signings, you know, um, I think fans would open for players like Leon Bailey and players with that ilk. I think I'd be a lot more positive about them, but I think, you know, I don't think anyone at Crystal Palace was, you know, losing much sleep over losing another time. And then, uh, you know, yeah, he has pace and yeah, he'll get balls in the box, but I don't think personally he takes it to the next level. I don't think letting Bernard go and bringing in someone like Townsend is an upgrade. Yeah, there's an argument Townsend is a better player. You know, when you sign in players, you want to, you don't want them to just be better. You want them to elevate you to another level. I don't think Townsend does that. And again, a little bit disappointing and underwhelming. But as you say, Andy, hopefully, like with Gray, hopefully on this one, you know, proved wrong. And he, he does seem to have a good attitude, which is, as a fan, going the game again, you know, that's all you can ask for. Um, for you then, Andy, you know, we saw Townsend on the weekend and, and he was positive in his play. Um what what are your thoughts on Everton bringing him in? Yeah, it, it makes sense to to bring someone like Townsend in as a squad player, but as you said, bringing him in to to go straight in that starting lineups a bit a bit concerning. Would like to again to see more, but I do think there's going to be games this season that that suit his style of playing, suit his you know what he's trying to do on the pitch, and I think he'd be really effective in certain games. I just don't think we're going to see a consistent. Uh, player, you know, who's going to be producing throughout the season, and you know, I, th- I don't think anyone's expecting that. So if we do, if we do get a consistent uh, run of games with it, where he's, you know, he's setting goals up and he's getting on the score sheet himself, that'll be a, a massive bonus. But yeah, I'd like to think that we'd have someone else starting ahead of him uh, going into the new season, and the fact that he is come straight in and went in ahead of Awobi just tells you everything you need to know, really. Um, yeah, yeah. Good, good luck to him as well. You know, he wants to be here. He wants to prove a point himself. Uh, and as you said, his attitude is good. So, if he wants to pull that shirt on and play for that badge, then yeah, uh, hopefully he can have a good season. Yeah, I'm Paul, are you a bit more optimistic than Andy and I with Townsend? We can actually um, see him coming. Look, when when I first heard that he was signing for us, I can't lie, and the lad said himself. In, in the press recently, he knows that his signing was very underwhelming um, and he understood that. I think I was very underwhelmed when he came in, but again, it's on a lesser extent, it's a player that the manager knows already. And I think it's from his point of view, he's probably looking to have an ally in the dressing room already, someone he knows, someone he knows he can trust. He's an hard-working lad, and I, I think at Palace, certainly, and I know at Newcastle, uh, Spurs before that, 
he's always worked hard as work rate is unbelievable. He, he's, a, he's a player who works incredibly hard each game. Uh, quality. Mm, he's he's capable of producing moments of quality. I mean, I remember like a, a few of his goals for Palace, one against City, uh, sticks in, in the mind. He, he's a player who can produce moments of quality, but whether he can produce it at the level of quality that Everton need consistently is another matter. Um, it's a free transfer, like I said before. He'll be in, and I think that I think I tweeted this at the time. To be honest, I, I think I said the one positive really is that he replaces Bernard at a fraction of his wage. So is that is that the right way? Like we're, we're starting no, to look at it like a accountants are. No, it, exactly. No, it's not. It's not the right way. And like you said before, it's about the quality. But I think. In terms of in terms financial in, in financial terms, I should say, I think that's what Everton are going to try and do moving forward, getting players like Bernard off the wage bill, bringing squad players in like Townsend, and I still think there'll be one 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 other wide player will come in before the end of the season and not on a free transfer or alone. I I I am quite sure that a wide player will come in. I hope so. I mean that. Uh... It doesn't look like they're going to be squad players, and you know I get the point. See if Everton can move players on and improve the quality slightly, but you know improving the quality slightly isn't really going to have us pushing beyond given what we've got. I just think overall for me that the transfer window has been extremely disappointing. I I really thought when Ancelotti was here, I thought he'd be back, and then when Benitez come in, I thought well there's not a chance he will come in and not be back because. Given Benitez, the squad that produced those results was in the last season, it just seems like a recipe for disaster. So to give him a shoestring of a budget is it, tough on him. Um, and I know, you know, I know financial fair play is a huge hindrance. I'm not going to pretend to know precisely how it works, but I, I get the idea. We've got to move players on before we can spend. And I do think Everton will hope the team would have been moved on so we could have signed Denzel Humphries. Um I, my my concern though is that you know the last Premier League game last season was a five 0 drubbing to City. Now City go on and spend another hundred million on Greenish, and they're probably going to spend more than that on Kane. So how can Everton invest one and a half since that game? It's that's what's beyond me. Um, and I know, like you know, I know you're going to say we need to get players off the box, and I get that, but. I think now's the time. We're in a position where we're now having to clear the books. Everton have got to hold the person or persons to accounts that have got us in a position. Whoever sanctioned the Delphs, the Awobis, even Moise Keane, even Hammers, you know, these players coming in, we're trying to get rid of. We're not trying to get rid of Walsh or Koeman signings anymore. Okay, Cheng Tosin, Allardyce signing, fair enough. But we're now in a position where we're trying to upload Marcel Brandstein and Andre Gomez is another one with a question mark. I think he's getting a free ride, Brand, and I do think it's gone from being on the fence with him to hold on a minute. We're now in a position where we cannot spend, and we're in a position where we cannot spend, and Seamus Coleman's still our right back. How any David Moyes signing can still be start for Everton is beyond me. Moyes has been away from Everton for what, over 10 years nearly. Um, so I'm really, really concerned and disappointed with Everton in, in the transfer window. And I know there's time, and hopefully we bring players in, but my take on it is 
unfortunately, and it will sound pessimistic, I don't think Everton can possibly push for Europe, given what we saw last season. If you invest one and a half million on last season's squad, then you're going to get one and a half million worth of improvements, which is minimal. So hopefully Mirant is just going to be proved wrong throughout the season, but at the moment, I don't see it. Andy, do you think that's too negative, or are you concerned with our business? I think that bringing the right characters into the club can have a huge difference. Um, and I think that is something that he's tried to do. The lads who have coming in do seem to, you know, have something to prove them. I want to really push for a place, but you know, they may lack, lack the quality. Um, but I don't think I don't think you're completely wrong. There. I mean, brands, yeah, you know. We've talked about it last season uh, when we had Paul on and, and the other Paul and, you know, there's a few mixed uh, opinions on it, but I think you're completely right. It's got to that point now where, you know, there's no hiding place for, for Marcel Brands and I think that, you know, some of the signings just clearly, it's just poor poor management from his point of view um, and he's so, the club's suffering because of it now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think that I think that's, that's highlighted and, yeah, I, I don't think that we've done a good job over the last couple of seasons in terms of the transfer window, and now we're in the situation that we're in that we're having to offload offload more players in order to bring in players that aren't necessarily, you know, going to cost an awful amount of money. Mm. Just realistic well, we... signings normally for the north for, for the club usually, but you know we're in the situation we're in now, and um, question marks have got to be asked definitely. Well, that's it. We we've spoken a lot about FFP tonight, but and I know what I know what Peter said before about um, we're beginning to sound like accountants. I don't think it's that. I think it's just a reality of the situation that we find ourselves in at the moment. There have been bad decisions at the top. Um, I I wouldn't just I wouldn't just leave that one at Marcel Brands' door with the players. I would also look as much as he's done for the stadium and as much investments as he's put in, I would also look at Farhad Mashiri because he's sacked managers and had to pay them off and then appoint new managers and give them big contracts. So I think it's very important that we don't lose sight. It, there have been a series of bad financial decisions on the pitch. There have been great things off it. Don't get me wrong, the stadium, the work with Everton in the community and the proposed plans for what they're going to do with Goodison Park afterwards. That's brilliant. Unbelievable. But I think now we are starting to see the reality of years of very bad financial Hold decisions. Hold on. I get what you're saying with Machini, but Marcel Brand's job is to be the director of football, is he not? But he was, and then he's put on the board. I get, but who, who put him on the board? Yeah, you're right. In that sense, of, you know, Machini's backed every manager up, up, to, up to now. I I struggle with I get no, let me start again. I get the criticism of Machiri because ultimately he's the man that sanctions and 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 spends his money. But Marcel Brands was brought in, you know, to be the director of football and to make that transition quicker. If Marcel Brands said to Machiri, Fabian Del, eight million, let's crack on with it. Andre Gomez, twenty million, blah. Machiri's not gonna Block that, and ironically, I saw some fans were getting irate that Brands wasn't having a say in the managerial search. Well, in my opinion, too right because if the judgment of a manager is a judgment of his player, I'd have concerns. Now, 
I know there'll be listeners who'll say, well, what about Richarlison? What about Luca Dean? Everton have brought in some good players on the brands, but I actually think it's not balancing out now because even players who we thought could do a job, we're looking at and they could be moved on. Yeni Mina, Andre Gomez, even those players who could look like they were going to do a job for us, it, their future looks uncertain. Um, you know, and I don't want to just make a case of less point fingers and have a go, but we can't just sit here being in the position in the position we are with FFP and go, well, it is what it is. I think we need to make sure it doesn't happen again. For me, Brands is very lucky. I think he lives a charm life. I think he doesn't get the criticism that probably he warrants. Um, but, you know, we'll see. You know, the one thing should end the window talk on is the window's not over. And over the next Absolutely two weeks... Not. Yeah, over the next few weeks, if he does move on, Kieran Hammers, and then brings in a couple of ballers, it's a different conversation. And then Brands is seen as the Messiah again. But right now, I don't get it with him. I think he, he's living a charm life. Well, what you've said there about um, do you need to make sure it never happens again, I think that's what you're seeing at the moment with these kinds of deals. The Damari Graves, the Andros Townsend. But, but now, if the same people are at the club, it will happen again. Thought, lads, let me finish my thoughts. They're bringing them players in at the moment to reduce the wage bill, to get players who can, who can enhance the depth of the squad in terms of numbers. Now, if they free the wages up and if they are able to move on the players like Dean, like Rodriguez and Delph, Gomez, whoever, Awobi, then I think that's where they will then look at reinvesting properly. Now, I think by the sounds of it and judging by the rumours of the players that were after, the likes of Dwight McNeil, the likes of Anguissa of Fulham, I think those players now have the stamp of the manager of Rafael Benitez, which, if that's the process that we're going down, fair enough, we're getting the players that the manager wants. Now, you said before about the director of football and you said the machine uh, brand shouldn't have had a say in the managerial appointment process to play devil's advocate here and I'm not defending him because he's I'm beginning to come to the end of me to have a whim but to play devil's advocate he has now worked with how many different managers but more importantly than that different managers with different styles so if he's the director of football he is bringing in a type of player to play one particular style of football and then no, we've since then I'm not having That's that. Benitez, Carlo Ancelotti, they both play defensive style football. Well, you can have any style of football you want. Everyone could have told you that Fabian Delph and Awobi are not good footballers, good enough and worthy of the Everton shirt. I can't have that. I understand where you're going with it. But the certain players that have came in, it doesn't matter what your style is, whether it's ticky-tacky every man behind the ball. £40 million was spent on Awobi, and we've just brought in a 30-year-old winger from Palace who automatically replaces them. It doesn't matter for me. And I know what you're saying, that the signings we're making now makes it look as though we are going down a different path. So so let's say we clear the books. What are we going to do? Let brands spend the money again? No, I said before, let the manager spend the money. Because obviously that's the path we're going down with Dwight McNeil and the likes of Sean Longstaff. They're the they're players the they're the players that the manager wants, Sean Longstaff, Anguissa, Dwight McNeil. And we're none of those, there. none of those players, and again, I could be proved wrong, but 
not one player you've just mentioned there to me take Everton to another level. I'm not saying about players, but I mean, Anguissa is he is he an upgrade on Allen and the core? Admittedly, they're two good players, but the idea should be for Everton is that every side. I'd say, say Anguissa is definitely an improvement on Allen. If, if, if we're talking about if we're talking about players who've elevated us to the next level, isn't that what Hamas Rodriguez was supposed to do for Everton? Yeah. So look, I again we, we've all made our feelings about the manager clear in, in the past easy, you know. He's gonna bring players in to suit a system and a style of football that he wants. So we've got to we've got to let him crack on and do the job now. I don't particularly want Sean Longstaff, but if he believes that's the kind of player that we need to improve the, improve the team, then that's that's what we've got to go, have to go with. I personally don't I don't see it happening this summer anyway. I think Anguissa is probably more likely. Uh, Dwight McNeil, I think, will be will actually be a decent signing at the right fee. If we're, if we're paying anything above thirty million, then you're quite right overspending. But I think that's the type of player we need to be looking at. I know it's it's a futile point to raise because I don't think either of us are clued up enough to know this. But in fairness, give you know to to be fair and give Marcel Brands a break. You know, let's look at our scouting system. You know, for me, the scouting system seems to be match of the day. Dwight McNeil, Longstaff, Townsend. You know, there's no. You know, there's no. You know, I hate comparing ourselves with the clubs, but. You know, one of the ones, one of the teams, I Paul, I think you've mentioned them in the past at Leicester. Leicester signed players all over Europe at decent fees and, and the, the quality players. And then we don't seem to find the, the next up and coming star. We we don't we can't seem to do it. So in fairness to brands, you know, it's probably beyond them as well. There's probably scouts where you think him up. Well, Gary Steinson, he's the chief scout, isn't he, for Everton? He is, actually, yeah. I think that's where you'd need to look. And, and, and again, I think the scouting does need a massive re- uh, overhaul. But, yeah. yeah, you'd have to look at Gretna Steinson for his role. Look, I'm not defending myself, Brands, because there have been some decisions that have happened over the last few years that I've lost, I've lost faith in. But I think when you consider the big picture, the different amounts of managers he's had to work with, getting... Previous regimes, um, Deadwood off the off the wage bill. I think he's he's still doing that now. He hasn't helped with some of the decisions he's added to it, but let's see what he can do. If they can be moved on, he's moved Bernard on at a fee, and we've took his wage off the off the. Well, wage didn't he off. bring him in? He did. He did. But and that's he, that's my issue. He's moving on his own players now. No, we did. He brought him in on a free transfer at a high wage. He's moved him on for a fee and got the wage off the wage bill. So. And don't get me wrong, like Bernard, you know, we were all buzzing with Bernard. That that did yeah. seem a good signing, and it, I'm not saying every signing has to work. You can do all the homework in the world. Some signings just don't work out. I get that. But, um, I, like you said, I think there's a few weeks before the window shuts. If we're still, if we're still talking about the same players and the same decisions after August the thirty first, then so be it. But still, some weeks left. Yeah. Okay. Just the space. Well, let's crack on then with the pre-season. Um, we'll just have a quick review of it, go through some of the results, obviously, but that's more important. So, the last one we took at Tonkin at Old Trafford, 4-0. We beat Pimas, 1-0. Uh, 1-1 with Milanerios beating them 10-9 on penalties. And then there was a couple of behind closed-door friendlies with Blackburn. We beat 1-0 and Atkinson, 3-0. 
Um, what were your thoughts on pre-season in general then? I mean, you know, I was very concerned with how we played and that was looking for my new, but given we'd be Southampton, it's in the past already. And obviously it's all about fitness. Um, I thought, you know, we touched on Townsend and I've just gone on about my reservations. I thought Townsend were probably Everton's more promising player in pre-season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot with pre-season that you can say. Is there really? It's all about fitness. Is there any standouts, moments of pre-season that you'd like to raise or it is what it is? Yeah, I think um I think pre-season's just all about fitness at that that point. Um making sure the the players are, are ready to a match fit and the fitness is at appropriate at appropriate level for the start of the Premier League season. And I, I will say to be honest, I think judging on the Southampton game, that's probably the most energetic I've seen Everton in a very long time. And how I think they were, they were rated actually fourth um in terms of pressing as a team in the Premier League over the weekend. So I think the preseason has in terms of that I think it has had a positive effect on the team and it's all about building the fitness up. Yeah, I think it is what it is, isn't it? Um, the pre-season, as soon as that first game comes along, you, you know, you forget about it, really. Um, okay, then, so let's crack on with the new season, 21-22 season. Let's see what's got installed for us. Um, first game, Andy, you and I were at it. It was good to be back, you know, Probably the first time doing the podcast that we've been able to analyse and review a game from, you know, being at the ground rather than TV. Um, we win the game 3-1. If we just start with how we set up then, I thought with it being a new manager, they normally do this, especially Benitez, he will go with a 4-4-2. The only surprise, right? well, a couple of surprises was he put Richarlison that wide and Gray up front and then you picked Mason Alkies over Yerimina. But in the main, you know, I thought it, the way you set up was what I did anticipate. Um, for you, any surprises for when you were at the game as uh, the way we set up on that lineup? No, I think we both said that at the time that me, it was quite sensible of them really to, you know, to go with a flat 4 4 2. Um, we both were quite surprised that he, he you know, we put. Gray up front and, and the child's not wide, but you know, obviously you're gonna get on to the second half soon, but at least he was able to recognise himself and, and rectify that. Um yeah, I, I think we, we set up to be direct. Um I'm sure you get onto the first half in a minute. I don't think we, we quite achieved that in the first half. I don't think we played with enough intensity to 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 you know to play the way he wanted to play. Uh, but I wasn't I wasn't surprised with the lineup. I probably thought, yeah, I probably agree with you, Mina instead of Colgate at the back. Um, but I understand why he's gone with Colgate at the same time as well. Um, I, I don't. Well, in fairness, uh, you know, with Fumantia, I'm not a massive fan of any of our centre backs, with the exception of Ben Godfrey. Um, we'll probably touch on another error by Michael Keane. You know, I mean, Michael Keane had a brilliant season last year, but those errors are there, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Paul, your thoughts on how we set up 4-4-2? Is that what you expected? Um, based on Benitez's time at Newcastle and traditionally what he was like at Liverpool as well, with um, it seems to... It, yeah, it didn't surprise me. Um, but 
I think you, you've alluded to it. I think it was a confident start in the first half. And then the mistake from Keane, just again, it, it was very, it was very similar under Ancelotti. It was our own fault, our own undoing. Make a mistake. And I think with the fans back in the crowd, they could sense these. I mean, obviously I wasn't at the game on Saturday. Um there seemed a lot of unease in the crowd after that and a lot of nervousness. And I think looking at Keane and, and Holgate for the rest of that first half, he looked very, very shaky. Yeah. Um, I think, and this is to Benitez's credit, I do have to say, I think he was very proactive in identifying that Richardson should be up front with Calvert-Lewin and Gray out wide. And I think in that second half, Gray caused Southampton a lot of problems down that left-hand side. And then I think with the Charleston and Calvert Lewin up front, I think that that um, I think that that pr- provided a better focal point and not, and give Everton a lot more going forward. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I I, I thought that the first half we started okay. Uh, I thought Everton looked organised and composed, but mm. I said it to Andy at the time. The only criticism. Was really there was a lack of intensity in that final third. It could have been a case of a couple of new players sort of bedding into the team, but I thought we were playing at a pace which made it comfortable for Southampton. Um, we just go back to that first goal then with Armstrong. I mean, for me, you know, it's all about trying not to point fingers. And the first goal we conceded the season for me is all on one play and probably would have been himself. Um, although I think Andy at the time you, were, you thought Hockey could have done a bit more, but for me anyway. I mean, he's dawdled on the ball. I think, you know, probably looked to play direct pass and it wasn't on for him. And, you know, he's got himself in all kinds of trouble. Um, but just on Keane, I think that moment really underlines what we've got. We've got a centre-half who relies on his confidence and he's, he is a confidence player. Um, there's not a lot of those errors in him, but there are those errors in him. And whereas, you know, with other centre-halves we've had down the years, would count headers like that on one hand. These are consistent, not just with him, but with other centre-halves. And I keep saying it for me, Everton need a centre-back other than Frank Valkyrie. I don't rate them. I don't rate what we have at the club. And, and that's why. I mean, you talk about European football. Centre-halves, the top six, eight, eight clubs, they don't do what he done. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's all on, on Keane. And once Armstrong's in, you know, in fairness to Probably typical with Everton, you know, he's not going to miss on his debut. Um, for you then, Andy, you know, at the time you thought Holgate could have done it a little bit better as well. Wouldn't you agree, though, that it's mostly on Michael Keane? Yeah, and I know I said that at the time live. Looking back at it, I do think that possibly he could have been, he could have done better, but I think it was being quite harsh at the time, for looking back at it now. Um, yeah, the, the fault lies on Michael Keane. He, no, we said at the time we're worried about him. Well, I'm worried about him, not necessarily for the rest of the game, but I was worried about him for the start of the season now because we have spoke about him being a confidence yeah. player, and I'm worried about it. It's, you know, that, that was a poor start for him. You know, lucky enough we got the three points, but I don't think that would reassure him. To be honest with you, I think he will be doubting his his own um, his own performance on the day. Um, hopefully not. But yeah, you know, it wasn't good enough. Um, he, he knows that and hopefully he can go on and have a solid season now and see um, the consistency we've seen last season but I still do think that 
you know, in the next season, um, over the next year or so, we need to be bringing another centre half to go alongside Godfrey. Yeah, definitely. I suppose what I will say about Holgate, I'm not blaming him for the goal, but he was too close to Keane. Like we said that at the time, that they, they were right next to each other, you know. Um, uh, you were far too close. Far too never, close I, I don't think I've seen them talk to each other once no. the whole game. Um, you know, it's not it's not an inspiring partnership. That no. you know, when you look at the the mistakes Holgate made towards the end of last season, um, it, it's a bizarre partnership. Especially we all know Michael Keane's a confidence player, but you know Benitez, the new manager, he's going to learn these things, as not he? And, you know, Yeri Mina will probably make more sense from positional play. I think had Holgate made an angle, it might have made life a little easier for Keane, but ultimately you can't spend that much time on the ball as a centre half, especially no. they were playing a 4 4 2 as well. Um, okay, so a booed off at half time to set the tone. Um, I don't actually think Everton were that bad in the first half. I think we lacked any kind of intensity in the final there, but other than Keane's mistake, Pickford didn't have a save to make, really. I think there was one on the near post, but all in all, I thought Everton done okay. Um, and, you know, Paul, you mentioned it, and, you know, we said that at the match at the time, you've got to give Benitez credit. He didn't panic. He identified that Graham Richarlison needed to be switched, and they were. And Everton were much better for it. Um, you know, we saw corner come in, second half, Um Townsend ended it back into the area. I said it to, to Andy at the time, and, and even now watching it back, I cannot believe that Southampton centre half let it go over his head. As it as it's going over his head, where we were in the upper Gladys Street, you knew Richarlison would score because it was on yeah. the goal line. Obviously, you never knew Richarlison was behind him, but you taught at an early age, you clear everything, and he's let it go. Um, so that got us back into the game. So, yeah, I mean, you know, what were your thoughts on how Everton responded in the second half? Or? Well, again, I think I think has won us the match with the decisions he made at that time. Obviously, you've alluded to Graham Richarlison, but another change I noticed, and I don't know whether you picked up on it at the game, he swapped Hallgate and came round at the back. No, didn't notice. No, so um, I think Keane started off as the left centre-back and Hallgate as the right centre-back. Uh, Benita swapped up now under our time. So Keane was um Keane was in his preferred position and Holgate was in his preferred position at centre back then. And obviously I, I think look, Keane should have done better for the goal. He, he should have done better, but he's clearly trying to get it on a stronger foot. So I think Benita seeing that at our time switched him round in the preferred position at centre back, moved game to Charleston. Gray out wide with Charleston up front. And I think Everton had a lot more joy there. I think Alan, I'll I'll be honest, I don't know whether I'm being harsh on Alan, but I thought Alan had a really, not a poor game, but I just felt he was slow and committed a lot of needless fouls. And I I think really, particularly with the talk of Anguisa coming in, I think that would make sense, having someone like him there. And... Decore is able to get up the pitch as much as he did on Saturday. Now, I know Decore spoke a lot in the media um, this week under Benitez saying he set him a target to score however many goals and get forward as much. And I think you've seen glimpses of that. On, on Well, you've certainly seen it with a goal on Saturday. Um, I think there's a lot more to come from him hit from the midfield as well, because obviously Calvert-Lewin and Charleston have scored so many goals up front, but we need to share them goals around now. The midfield needs to do their bit. The defenders need to do their bit. We need to score 
and spread the goals across the team. So um, I, I thought, you know what, the, the game, the second half, that was probably the closest thing I've seen to a proper Everton performance since we had David Moyes, to be honest. Energetic, um, played at a high tempo, direct, not long ball, but it was direct. The ball was out wide to Richardson and Gray as quick as it could. We were getting players up the pitch. The fans, particularly in the Garden Street, were responding to the players coming forward. So I'd, I'd say that's that was very, it was very similar to how we played under Moyes. It was very blood and thunder that second half. And for me personally, anyway, it was quite enjoyable to watch and see an Everton team play with that much gusto and taking the game to Southampton rather than what we did under Ancelotti with no fans in last season and having the team behind the ball and defending leads, which is which is fine. It's a it's it's a it's a game plan and it worked a lot under Ancelotti away from home. But if he did that in a full good but if he did that on Saturday and it didn't work, we'd let him know about it. He'd be booed off again. So I think fair play to Benitez. I, I think he got it absolutely right on Saturday. And look, he needed to win that game on Saturday and we did. So he's passed the first test of many, many that he'll face as a manager. I think, um, I mean, I take your point about how we play, but I don't think it was back with a performance myself. I, I, I the second half performance. The second half performance. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I just think from both sides, I thought there was a lack of quality. And, and in fairness, Ancelotti, I, I take your point in, in certainly the latter part of the season, the home games. But the start of last season, the way Everton played, I thought it was much more quality in that than what we're seeing now. I think it, I think Everton looked like a team that spent one and a half million. I said that after the match. I think had that been a Southampton, that game could have gone another way. I don't think um, we were lucky to win, don't get me wrong, I thought we deserved to win, but it, it wasn't a vintage performance, nor what I expected. I think... In addition to only spending one and a half mil, we have players isolating, so we didn't even have a full confidence. Mm. Um, but yeah, after we equalised, there was a lot of energy in the ground and it felt like the second goal was coming. But after a sort of 10-minute spell, I said at the time, I felt Southampton would allow back into the game. Now, albeit, with people that have nothing to do, I mean, they've had the centre of their team ripped off with the centre-half and Danny Ings going. Um and, you know, giving Benitez credit, he brings on a Wolby who, you know, I don't think anyone's the biggest fan, and he did help turn the game. Um, you know, that, that goal by the Corey is sensational. I know a Wolby might get an assist, but that, that is you know, mostly the Corey for that turn. And yeah, really the energy, you know, I felt at the time that being in that Gladys Street, that the Gladys Street sucked it in, you know. Um, and, you, you know, from there, it, it then they've become more comfortable for us with Richarlison with the one inch below him. Um, I said at the time and I still say it like why Calvert-Lewin is throwing his head and I, I think that's the reason he scores because the goal is so confused that is you know most strikers hit that on the volley all day it was so low and he, he, he actually went for the other so early he was on the floor by the t- time it comes to him but you know he's paid to score goals and he's scoring them yeah. um, what were your thoughts on the on the couple of goals that won it then for yourself and the, at, at the time yeah, I'm, I remember saying to you at the time I was quite happy, especially with the third goal, um, because when we did get the second and the Corey put us ahead, I thought we were going to sit back at that point. And a typical 
Everton performance where, you know, we're probably the better team overall, probably deserved three points, but then sort of letting a, a team come to Goodison and make a, uh, make a result. So I'm actually glad that we did push for the third goal. Um, and yeah, you know, the Cordes goals were, was brilliant since I see fans running on the pitch, you know, it's not ideal, but it, it was it was good to see after it was so long. It, you know, it meant a lot to the players as well on the pitch and it, it meant a lot to the fans. And then... Um, the third goal, yeah, you know, you're probably right, but it was a bit of a, a throwback, wasn't it? Um, and he yeah, but he, he, what was reassuring there, though, he was putting his head in no matter where the keeper was, so you know, it, it bodes well for the season with him. So, yeah, it's not a criticism, Lewin, by the way, like it doesn't matter how they go in, you know, they go yeah. in, that's that's what his job is. I said to you at the time, and I don't know what you think, Paul, from, from watching it in some ways, you know, watching it. You know, you, you pick up things like Hawkins and Dean switching, which, you know, neither Andy or I caught on to at the time at the game. Mm-hmm. I just felt that Everton, ironically, with all the talk of Hammers and obviously Sigurdsson's not available for different reasons, mm. um, I felt like Everton were crying out for a number 10. I felt there was just that lack of quality. And I, I feel as though we yeah. need a centre-half. You know, in an ideal world for me anyway, we need a centre-half to part of the We need right-back to beat Coleman out. Um, and we need a striker um, to help Lewin over the season. But I, I think also, on the presumption Hammers and Guilty Stickers don't play forever again, I think we need another number 10. And I thought that game, not having that number 10 mm. actually shown early doors. Um, it might not matter away from home, where we're playing counter-attack and football, and we're on the break, but when we're at home, when we've got to break these teams down, you know, I just think we might need a bit more than get balls in the box whipping in because I yeah. think eventually the better teams will work that out and they'll block towns and Gray or Charles and off and then you've got to think well what's coming through the middle you know Def- definitely I think we definitely need a plan B because as you say it's all well and good overloading getting players up and sending the ball out wide across the room but like, as you said before teams are going to suss that out very very quickly so it is important and I'm sure Benitez as well to be fair he He's, he's a very knowledgeable manager. He puts a lot of graft and craft into his work. So I think he will have a plan B. I think a number 10 or a creative midfielder coming in would be fantastic. Um, but, I mean, you touched on Calvert-Loon and the Corey's goals there. I just want to go back to the Charleston, really, for the first goal. Um, brilliant anticipation, but all in all, his performance and the amount of time he played, considering he was in Tokyo the week before, I mean, fair play to him because I, I was very, very conf- baffled by the club's decision to let him let him go and bring him back and throw him right in. But he didn't let anyone down. He put a lot of a lot of work in and he didn't stop running. So fair play to him. But well, um, just on Richarlison though, does that worry you that he, he played the Copa America and then the Olympics? So although he's firing on all cylinders now, does it worry you when? You know, particularly that Christmas period where the games come thick and fast. Do you think at some point he's going to need to come out of that team? Well, yeah, I think that's. I think we're going to have to look at that on a game by game basis. So we're going to have to protect him from burnout because he has played an unbelievable amount of football over the last eighteen months, and it has been non-stop. So I think, like I said before, the window's still open. I fully expect a striker and a winger to come in. In all honesty, um. And I think we do need to make sure Richarlison is suitably rested. But at the same time, I don't know if you've got World Cup qualifiers coming up. 
I think there needs to be a bit of leeway with Brazil for maybe not the qualifiers, but definitely friendlies. You may need to set them out because he's played a lot of football. Um, but look, for the t- for the time being, he, he came in on uh, he came in on Saturday. I was very critical of him last season. I thought uh, he was very um, lackluster. Wasn't the best season for him. Produced big moments, like he always has done in, in the season. But I thought last season wasn't his best by a long stretch. I think Saturday um, reiterated just what an important player he is to this Everton team. And I think it is essential that we use him correctly. And I think, as, as you said, a lot of that includes making sure he's suitably rested for the rest of the season and the games upcoming. Yeah, yeah. And then just the final point on the match then, um, Rafa Benitez's first game in charge. For me, I'm pleased with him. Um, of course, he kept it simple, which I expected. I think he maximised what he had available, um, which wasn't much. And he, he did make reasonable substitutions, which made sense. Um, you know, I think you're right, Paul. You said that before, it was a must win. And, you know, you look at it now and go, oh, well, it was only Southampton. Well, we were losing that game 1-0 at half-time. And how do we not turn it around, which we don't tend to turn it around when we're losing? It would have just been horrific for him personally, as well as Everton. Albeit it's one game, you know, the knives are out, uh, well, the weeks mm. to come out for him by, by a lot of fans. So I thought he done very well. Um, well, let's ask yourself... Say, Ask yourself this, um, and uh, look, I know it's one game. I don't know, he's got a long, long way to go, but we're 1 0 down at our time. Did we win that game like we did under Carlo Ancelotti? Well, no, purely on the fact that I think the last time we, we won a game when we were losing at half time was West Brom away. Um, can't even remember who the manager was, not my three in the best of Martinez. Yeah, yeah. So, so the answer is no because of you know. We just haven't done it. Um, for you, Andy, you know, we, we spoke at the game about Benitez's decisions on the day. Um, we were both positive. You know, what's your assessments after that first game? Yeah, I mean, he's he's done what he's needed to do. You know, he's got the three points for us. That was the, the, the that was the main thing coming away with three points there and getting any sort of people booing him off his back. He got a good reception. Um, considering we were one 0 down, probably due to our own fault, but definitely due to our own fault. I think it was a good reaction in the second half, and it, it it bodes well. It shows us that you know the players there are going to respond to him when he, he's going to be making changes and you know setting us up to play a certain way. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to now, you know, putting the initial shock of his appointment and disappointment for some fans uh, behind us now and moving on with him as our manager you know we might not be everyone's cup of tea the type, type of football he wants to play but you know it is what it is we're, we're, we've got to get behind him and hopefully he can um, steady the ship if you like um, during this period of getting players out bringing new players in and, and we have a bit of an identity moving forward Well I think that's why I'm surprised that Everton are not spending the money because of those because of how shock uh, uh, an appointment it was a couple of quality signings and I think people would have moved on but I think when you're only investing one and a half mil um, then it, it just seems to add to the exacerbation by some fans but you're right the season started and I think you know we need to move on and judge more results unfortunately and, and the frustration must be for Benitez is we're going to judge him on results but we're not judging him with having 
the back end of the owner, which were the managers have had, we're judging him on what looks like will be a shoestring where you've got to sell to buy, which is not ideal for any manager. When that happens and you've got to sell to buy, as a manager, you need time and Benita just won't get time. That's what I think makes the appointment bizarre given the circumstances. Um, you're bringing in an unpopular man when he doesn't have money to spend. I think that that's what worries me. Uh, you know, it could be a recipe for disaster. If he comes through it without money to spend, then it's only going to elevate him more with the fans. Um, but if we move on then to Leeds away, tough one to analyse so early in the season. They've just been hammered 5-1 by United. We've just won our first game 3-1. It'll be interesting because, you know, from my personal point of view, I think Alan Rose will be bouncing um, Saturday. I think they'll want to be putting that United game to bed. I think for them, it's their first game back in 18 months or so. Um, so I think Ellen Road will be fans on top of the players. I think it'll be a test of character. And, you know, when Everton's character tested, sometimes it's not, um, it doesn't bode well for us. Mm. So for me, I, I think I expect another 4 4 2. I expect Everton to utilize the wingers to hit leads on the break. Um, Paul, you touched on Ancelotti the way he set us up. I think we could have similar on Saturday. I think Billy mm-hmm. says will. He'll, he'll, I think he'll instruct us to sit back, let Leeds have the ball, because that's what Bielsa likes to do. Hit them on the counter with the likes of Gray, Townsend, and Richarlison. Um, that's what I expect, obviously, this early on in the season. I don't know. It's even more of a unpredictability when it's Everton. Uh, so, how do you see Saturday going forward, Leeds away? Well, you you just mentioned there that it's the first um, that it's Leeds be bouncing. It's actually their first Premier League game at Allen Road with a full capacity crowd, so they are going to be up for it. Leeds. Um, Didn't think of that. To be fair, that's a no, really well, good. Point, yeah. It's it's going to be a carnival atmosphere. They'll be more than up for it. Um, as you say, they'll be wanting to put the Man United result behind them as quickly as possible. So I I anticipate a really tough game, to be honest. I think, obviously, defensively, there have been one or two um, criticisms of Marco uh, Marcelo Bielsa's teams. One thing that they are, they're a very, very fit team and they don't stop running until that 90th minute. But I think, to be fair, I think actually watching Everton on Saturday, that's the fittest I've seen any Everton team for a while. So hopefully we can at least match them in terms of energy. Um, I think that we'll go a little bit more defensive being away from home. Obviously, we've got to, in all honesty, I think we've got to quieten the crowd quite early on. Um, I think a set piece from a corner, 1-0, get the, get the, uh, quieten the crowd very early on. That would be ideal. Um but no, it is. It's going to be a tricky game. And like you said, it's going to be a test of the player's character. They've passed the first test for so far. But on Saturday, it's a different test altogether. And Southampton's gone now, as far as I'm concerned. That's three points on the board. We've got to try and get another three on Saturday. And it's not going to be easy. How do you see it going yourself, Andy? Yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game, isn't it? We just, just highlighted them. But it's hard to... It's hard to discuss and talk about it, as you said, this area in the season, but we what I do know it's going to be a tough game and they're coming off a bad defeat there. But I suppose they've got a good chance to, you know, to put it behind them, especially 
with the crowd there. I think with Paul's right, we need to quieten them early. We need to uh, neutralise them from the game yeah. and make sure that they're not able to have a big impact. Um, yeah, I can see. I can see going for a result. I can see Evan one 0 uh, What's I'm, your prediction, Paul? I was going to back as light, but I can see uh, it's quite a close game, and I was nicking it. Do you know what? I'm not. I'm not sure. A, a lot will depend on how he match leads energy. Calvin Phillips. <clears throat> I don't think he played against United the other week, so I think if he's if he's in the midfield, that's going to give Decore something else to think about, and it's going to give Alan something to think about as well. My my concern watching Alan on Saturday was he was quite slow. Those Leeds midfielders aren't slouches. They're a handful. Jack Harrison, Callum Phillips, they don't stop running and he moved the ball around really well. So Alan's got to be very, very careful that he doesn't give one too many that fouls away. Um, I can see another Everton win. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 win to Everton. I think that Leeds will be back up for it. But I, I think that we need, if we can quieten them early on, then I think they'll come away with the three points. Yeah. I'll be a, a little more pessimistic. I'll go for 1-1. One, one. Um, the reason being is, I, I think you spot on about the, the fan, the, the atmosphere of the fans. actually didn't put it together that it was the first Premier League game with the full capacity. The reason I'm going 1-1 one, one is my concern, as I said on Saturday, I thought there was a lack of quality in both sides and at times, you know, you're looking through the middle. Uh, the corner was brilliant and obviously got a goal, but the goal come out to nothing. And I just think that, you know, we're missing something in the middle just behind a striker to open teams up and I think away at Leeds, we might need something like that, which ironically, you know, last season away, it was Guilfrey Singleton, I think 10 minutes in, got us in front. So, yeah, tough game. Love to be proved wrong and we get three points. We're capable of winning, don't get me wrong. Mm. Capable of winning it. Um, but as you say as well, Andy, it's so difficult, isn't it, early on. Okay, so that's the prediction for Safi. What's your prediction for the season? Um, I'll give you mine first. I do expect Everton to bring players in and move players on. I expect Hammers and Keane to go before the window. But based on the squad at the moment, unless there's significant quality brought in, for me... I think it'll be a season without a trophy, and I think we'll finish 10th. Um, Andy, for you? I'm going to go eighth. I think we're going to actually push on a little bit from our position last season, um, but not enough to push on for the European places. I think eighth. Paul? Um, I think the Benitez will get well, no, sorry, I think Benitez will squeeze a lot more out of this Everton side than Ancelotti did towards the end of last season. Um, I, I can see us finishing in the top eight, but definitely good enough. I'm just I'm just going to wait and see how the, the teams who finished above us last season, obviously the top six and the likes of uh, Villa, uh, Leicester, teams like that, see how they get on. But I think... It, if we can aim for the top eight this season and, and push on for the league or the FA Cup and get a good cup run, and look, I, I want to win it. I, I want to win the league cup more than anything because we've never won it. 
any trophy will do. And look, if Benitez wins a trophy, then maybe that's the thing that finally endears him to the crowd. I don't think there'd be maybe about it. I think it definitely would. Um, yeah, look, I agree with both of you. I think we're capable of finishing either. The reason that I've gone with 10th is, um, you know, touched on before about Richarlison not having a break. And I don't know if we're good enough to give him a break. And I just think with a couple of injuries and suspensions from being threadbare. And, you know, if you go through the strength and depth, you look at Coleman. We know Coleman can't play every week now. If mm. Coleman, if Coleman gets any kind of knock, John Joe Kenny's our right back. Um, Ben Godfrey's not available. You saw the standard the centre half without them. Calvert Lewin gets injured. We don't have a recognised striker unless you consider Richarlison a striker. So you can see that we are on the bones as it stands. And the other thing is the teams around us have all strengthened. So even oh. if we even if Benitez does more than what Ancelotti done, the teams around us they've all improved. Let me revise my prediction. My prediction of eighth and a trophy is based on if we get our players in that we're looking at. No, in, no, pro- no provisos. You, you've got to stick to your No, no, no. I'm more than happy to stick with it if the players come in. If we don't bring the players in, then, yeah, I think 10th will be as good as it gets. But if we get the players in that the manager wants that we've been mentioned with, then I can see us kicking on. Yeah, no, that's I agree with that. And that's... Every I agree with that, and that's why I've gone with tenth because we're relying on Marcel Brands, and yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm not on the fence with him anymore. I think the the whole the whole thing needs to rift up and start again. But anyway, let's end it. Let's end it positive. Tell us how you really yeah. feel, please. Oh look, I, the one thing that Andy and I always say: there's nothing better than when we're proved wrong, and we have been proved wrong with players and individuals, but also. If people are doing it at the club, it is our club, and you know we will call them out. No, that's um, enough. Even though it might not make much difference. So yeah, that's it, lads. That's it for tonight's episode. Um, let, let's hope that you're both right and I'm wrong, and we do keep our winning ways going at Ellen Road. Um, there is a lot of work to be done on the transfer front, and um, you know there is time to to get that right. And as you say, Paul, we've got to add that quality. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm sure you'll be on again throughout the season and hopefully the next home game you'll be back at Goodison. Absolutely. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Up the toppies. <laughs>